Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode... I don't think we even know what episode this is, Adam. <laughs> we're just going to call this a spoiler cast, because that's what we're going to do. Yes. And uh, this is The Batman. Yes. It's been out for about two weeks. We're we're dying to talk about it. Oh, yes. We haven't really had the chance. And as a warning... We are going to spoil the movie. If you yeah. haven't seen it, you can listen to a little bit of this podcast. We'll put out a final warning before we get to the spoilers. But we're going to go in-depth on the Batman. Yep, absolutely. If you are new to the Film Coterie podcast, um, we are a general movie podcast. We watch everything. Um, we watched a lot more movies when there were movies in the theater. <laughs> Yeah, we're still adjusting back. It's funny. I, but, I yeah, I I, was, I can't get in a groove with it with my watching. I just really can't. Yeah, I can't either. And I was talking to a guy today at lunch about our podcast. He was really interested in it. And I said we were going two, three times a week to see screeners. You know, and one, two a month now, if that. You know, right. I mean, it's just, it's just they're just trickling back out. Yeah, everything is streaming. Everything is going to long form. Yeah. You know, the streamers are more likely to greenlight a series than they are a film because they get more bang for their buck by having more episodes. So yeah, absolutely. But we are a general movie podcast. Um, I you know my my love is silver screen. I love the old Hollywood, old cinema. Um, Adam's wheelhouse is horror films. Indie, the weirder the better. I love all <laughs> kinds of stuff, but I I want to be weirded out. Yep, and but Adam really is an expert on about all genres. He's he's his movie list every year is about five times what I watch. So you see a lot of movies, don't you, Adam? I try, and I I miss film festivals. Uh, you know, this year they're coming back finally, but we've been virtual for two years. Yeah, and that that always felt like such a discovery that I'm missing out because you go to a film festival, you see twenty to thirty films. You get excited about stuff. It's reinvigorating for your love for the film. Just being, you know, in that positive atmosphere with other film lovers and just seeing all new types of talent on display. I'm eager to get back to that. And it might not be this year in full for us, but I think 2023 I'll be back in the swing of things with the film festivals. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I I finally got permission to go to Fantastic Fest, and, and then they haven't had it like in two years. So right. It's all been virtual, but... Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So, yeah, we review everything. We, we see about everything that's out there that we can, that we can get our hands on, you know. And uh, uh, a lot of times Adam will give us really good analysis, and I'll ask a lot of questions. <laughs> so maybe maybe I'm the everyman on the podcast, <laughs> and you're the expert. I don't know, Adam. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I just like driving people to stuff on the fringes. There you go. Absolutely. Well, it was so funny. You don't realize how much, where your movie knowledge is until you start talking to somebody and they're like, oh, well, I, I just saw this movie and I liked it. And immediately I, I, I could think of three films to recommend to them. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you like that, you need to see A, B, yep. and C, you know. That's always, that's always fun when you can get somebody to watch a film that they would, you know, like like an In Bruges is a great example of that. One of my I favorite of all time. I recommend that film all the time, and I've not had one person go, oh, that was lame. They always love that film. Yeah, you that's know? something really special, and, and that's the fun of it is that when someone reveals a taste or something they like, you've, you've experienced more. You can kind of guide right. them on a path, and you get a little bit jealous. You're like, man, I wish I could watch that film again for the first time. Yeah. Go for that ride. Absolutely. But today I'm really excited because the Batman has come to our plate. It is a spoiler cast. Yes. I don't know where the conversation will take us, but we're going to talk about 
as many aspects as we want on the film. So it may be a 15-minute podcast. It may be an hour podcast. I don't know. But I'm excited to talk about the Batman. So why don't we take a quick break? Why don't we listen in to a little bit of the Batman? And we'll be right back. You're listening to The Film Coterie. time to talk to Batman and as we promised we're giving you a warning here is that we are going to delve into spoiler territory um, we feel we need to to really discuss the film and what worked for us and what didn't um, and to do more of an in-depth analysis so this is your warning that spoilers are coming after this statement so if you've not seen the Batman go and check it out and then come back and listen to the episode and I think you'll get more from it all right so according to IMDB the Batman is when the Riddler, a sadistic serial killer, begins murdering key political figures in Gotham, Batman is forced to investigate the city's hidden corruption and question his family's involvement. Is that a good description of the Batman? Uh, It's hard to describe Batman because what you honestly (laughs) want to say is this is just Batman year two. Right. It's a young Batman. What does that mean, Batman year two? In this instance of Batman, and I'll I'll step back in a minute and kind of give a broader picture of the DC universe as it exists now for film. But in this version of Batman, we have a young Bruce Wayne Batman that is in year two of his Gotham project. That's what it says on his notebooks. He's still figuring things out. He's still building the Batmobile. He hasn't really caught anyone big that we know of. The police don't know if they can trust him or if he's just a lunatic in a suit. Yep. This is young Batman in a way that Batman Begins also brought to us, but this is a different Batman. Yeah. I, you know, I described it, and, and I'll just say in hindsight here, for those of you listening, we're here in our studio, um, but my dog is going crazy upstairs. <laughs> so I apologize if you hear faint barking in the background. That's my golden retriever. He wants to weigh in on the movie, too. He wants to talk about the Batman. But the way, Adam, the way I describe it to folks is if you're really into the whole DCU extended universe kind of deal or, you know, the MCU and all these superhero films, just remove yourself from all of that. And and this is a completely different universe, alternate reality, different universe. You know, Wonder Woman's not showing up. Superman's not showing up to save the day. This is Batman, just as you described early as a Batman trying to discover himself. And I think, as I think about this film, and I've thought a lot about this film, I think he's a much more comfortable Batman than he is a Bruce Wayne. That's what they did. Um, He's, just so you know, in this film, he's Batman 90% of the runtime. Only 10% he's maybe Bruce Wayne, and he just doesn't know how to be Bruce Wayne. 
Bruce Wayne is more of a costume to him than the bat suit. Uh, so so true. That's a great way to that's a great way to put it, Adam. It, it's really, um, he, he's just completely uncomfortable when he has to be Bruce Wayne, and uh, he embraces the the violence. Um, there's a line where he says, instead of saying I'm Batman, I'm vengeance. Right. You know, and he embraces that. I'm there to put fear in the heart of criminals. I'm the vengeance that the city needs. And just so you know, because there's there's talk about where does this exist. You might be overloaded with Marvel DC stuff. So Marvel, in their outings of films, they're, they're still generally a continuous universe. Right. You don't have to watch every movie, but you benefit from it. So if you go into the new Doctor Strange, it helps if you've seen the 20 movies prior to this. Sure. This Batman is standalone. So right now we technically sort of have three Batman. We have Michael Keaton that's going to be in the Flash movie reprising his role from the 89 Batman. We have this Batman now with Robert Pattinson. And then we have questions about Ben Affleck if he's going to show up in another one or not. Potentially with Justice League spinoffs or something else. He's probably yeah. done. All, yeah. all reports say he's done. But this film does not require any previous viewings. It's its own universe as you already mentioned. There are no other superheroes. There's no Justice League. It's just Batman and his rogues gallery. Yeah. And and like you said, this is year two, so you're not going to get an origin story here. No. there's Thankfully, we don't see his parents get it in the alleyway, and we don't see the pearls hit the ground. Yes, absolutely. But I will say there is some origin creation going on in this. Yes. You know, there's some leaking of some origin stuff. If you want to jump into that, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. So, so there, the, and, and, and I've not read this, the Sins of the Father comic run, or I've not read a lot of the Batman comics, so I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm really the person to speak to this, but there is a mention how it's really the Arkhams and the Waynes were the founding families of Gotham, and that's kind of alluded to, and, 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 and um, it's kind of insinuated that even though, and this leads into the broader story, Sins of the Father, even though... You know, um, Bruce Wayne's dad was was an icon of of you know what you would call it you know good and nobility and all this stuff. Maybe there were some cracks in the armor there that you know he had to make some tough choices to get to that place. You know, and, and that's that's where this story is going. With right, the Batman. Thomas Wayne is maybe not who we thought he was. Um, right, you know, the, the public viewed him as a billionaire philanthropist, surgeon, politician. Um, he's a very visible face of Gotham, where his young son, who was orphaned by what happened, you know, because of crime, his parents were shot dead, that's that's established but not shown, he does not know how to pick up the mantle. He's been raised by Alfred, and we'll get to this later, but Andy Serkis plays Alfred in this movie right? and brings a completely different experience to it as sort of an adoptive parent yeah. who is now worried. There's always worry on him. What have I done? What has happened to Bruce? Am I losing him? You know, he's just spending all night out there in a suit fighting crime. How do I save him? How do I get him away from this? How do I, I bring him back from the edge? And, and there's no interaction with with Alfred. Or, he's never even called Alfred the whole movie. I don't think his name's even really hardly mentioned. But there's no interaction. Like in the Batman we're used to, Alfred is a key element in helping get things done. He's practically Batman's cue. Exactly. He might help with some tech and, and puzzle here, solving. He is the, the kind of the overarching thought, like you said, the father figure who's worried, concerned. He hasn't learned to trust uh, 
Bruce Wayne or Batman and engage with him and help him to do what he needs to do. And Batman's social circle is exceedingly small in this film because the only people he deals with are, you know, not the Commissioner Gordon, I guess Detective Gordon. Yeah, Lieutenant James Gordon. Right, Lieutenant Gordon, (laughs) uh, Selena Kyle, who's Catwoman, and Alfred. That's it. Those are the only people he interacts with at all. Yeah, so there's this compression that goes on where the story really just squeezes down into, and we're going to examine who this Batman is, who is the Batman, what is he, um, how, how, what are his struggles. You're going to see it. It's very noirish and detectivish, and and leans into that very dark film. Not well, the tone is dark, but it's 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 just shot dark. It's the the scenes are really dark. You know, uh, you better have a good projectionist or a really good TV, or you're going to miss a lot of stuff in this film. Most of the film is shot in very dark scenes. It's all masterfully shot, masterfully yeah. lit. But Roger's right that when you see this, you got to pick the best screen. I mean, we purposely went to an Atmos presentation. Um, just because you know that was a concern of ours is how dark the film is, tone and visually. So, so let's go down through some of the characters, and I want to get your your thoughts, Adams. Let's start with uh, Zoe Kravitz, who played the Catwoman, or Selena Kyle. Right. Your, what were your thoughts about her? So. This is probably our best version of the Catwoman just because she's so fleshed out. I would agree. She's finally a character and not just a villain, not just something on the side. She's she's a reflection of what Batman is, too, because she may be a cat thief, cat burglar, too. She's trying to, in her own way, navigate the city, bring justice to what she feels needs to be fixed. And she's more fleshed out than we've ever seen. Zoe Kravitz does a really good job in this role. And she reacts to Batman in that she doesn't think he's a freak. I think it's interesting to see how she sees Batman versus how the cops do. The cops laugh at him. Here's this crazy guy in a suit. They don't know what to make of him. They call him a freak to his face, you know, in the police station. And here's this character, Selena Kyle, that she sees someone else prowling at night in a costume. Never questions it just accepts yeah. it accepts him <laughs> yeah and they almost have instant chemistry yeah I, I think it's excellent what about um well let's just go right to paul dano as the riddler so yeah. in this film the way it's set up i think it's really smart is they're giving us the riddler as a dark shadow version of batman they are both trying to bring injustice to light this riddler is more akin to a serial killer than we've ever seen he's taking out important people in gotham leaving puzzles behind but not for the police he's leaving all his puzzles behind as greeting cards to the batman and he's bringing batman into the fold because he wants batman to bring something into the light he's got this puzzle he knows there's some key to the city how things operate and he wants it exposed but he doesn't have literally the muscle and the finesse and the fighting power to do it so he's going to use batman as a tool well and in his mind like you said, they're working hand in hand. They're partners. They are. You know, he, they're the yin and the yang. And you he know, doesn't think they're any different. Yeah, exactly right. And and <laughs> he's creepy, and it's very well shot. And and I was I, I I was tense a few times. I mean, it's a superhero film. I'm not supposed to be this tense, but I'm on the kind of on the edge of my seat, going, "Oh man, this is really not good here." You know, this is creepy and bad, and who you know. So yeah. 
I, I thought he did a great I thought he did a great job. Um and then you had also Carmen the Carmen Falcone story with John Turturro. Um, and then you had the penguin who was played by um, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. You will a, never recognize Colin Farrell yeah, in this film as Oz or the, as the penguin, right? You know? Oswald Copperpot or Cobblepot. Cobblepot. Yep, absolutely. Colin yeah. Farrell's having so much fun. He's completely buried under makeup. You'll never recognize him, but his penguin's a lot of fun as a opportunist. We see penguin's superhuman ability might just be moving up in the ranks. He knows when to move from family to family, when to make the moves against the top boss, and just take control. So this film, in juggling everything else it does, also shows us Penguin's rise. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I gotta say, you know, I love John Turturro as Carmen Falcone, just because he brings that level of of creepy and and kind of... Yeah, I think I when I wrote my review, I said something to the effect of, it's a guy that you promise yourself you'd never get into bed with, and you turn around, and he's in the covers with you, you know? And it's yeah. just like, oh, no, you know? Uh, and uh, I, I really liked his, his performance as well, too. This the, is a Falcone with depth, depth, because you could have picked anybody to play a two-bit mob guy. Right. He could have been a total caricature, Mamma Mia-type, over-the-top stereotype. Yeah, but he wasn't. He had depth. He had history with the family, history with the city. You bought everything about well, it. Well, he's the key to the sins of the father story, right. because he he did he partner with Thomas Wayne to get some stuff done. You know, it's alluded to. It's a it's alluded that that Thomas Wayne insinuated, and you know, Carmen Falcone he took it to the very end and took out some people. You know, and so that blood's on on Thomas Wayne's hands. Well, you and know. again, the, I think the script is really smart because this Batman is not someone who looks himself in the mirror. When he's out of his suit, I don't think this Bruce Wayne would really look himself in the mirror. He just no. doesn't want to be who he is. Yeah. These characters are forcing him to because like I said the Riddler's a mirror version of Batman in that they think, Riddler at least thinks their objectives are the same. They're out in costumes. They're doing something. But then with Batman's own issues with his father, we have Selina Kyle's storyline, which mirrors his. He's forced to finally grow and look at right. all this because of the people yeah. around him. Yeah, absolutely. And then Jeffrey Wright is just solid as always. He's he's such can... a no-brainer when you say you're going to cast a Jim Gordon. <laughs> yeah, There's no one I would put on the list above you know, Jeffrey Wright. He's measured. He's His cadence is perfect. He's, uh, he's under control, but there's a storm all around him. And he's the only good cop in Gotham. I mean, oh. would completely buy it. Yep, totally. So, you know, if you can't tell already, I'm a huge fan of this film. Um, I, I don't know where it ranks in the Batman, the Batman pantheon. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that. But just love, love this film. What are some of the other aspects of the story that really spoke to you, Adam, or jumped out to you? How it's bookended. This is my favorite opening to any Batman film ever. You just have this this Gotham. This Gotham looks incredible. I mean, it's as realized as, like, you know, Blade Runner for the terms of the city they're trying to create. Yeah. And this isn't a real knock against Nolan's Batmans, but they always, always just felt like Chicago or Pittsburgh or wherever they filmed. This is a Gotham that's living and breathing on the screen as its own character. And the way it's opened at night with Batman giving us a voiceover, sort of like Rorschach, you know, the vigilante out there saying, I am fear. When that sign hits the sky, it's not just asking for me. It's a warning for those out there. Right. And you get this incredible opening with all these criminals scared to go down a dark alley. Batman's having an effect. Yeah. You know, they're afraid to go down those dark alleys at night. You know, the fear is hitting the criminal element, but it's not enough. 
And that's the question he's raising is, am I having an effect? You know, and he hasn't figured out how to be Bruce Wayne yet. He, I don't think he knows how to help the city through philanthropy. He thinks that he can be vigilance. He could be violence and change the city. And that's yeah. the question is, is that the path? Well, and he's growing maybe, and I felt he was growing to the realization that's not the full path. That that Bruce Wayne is needed, not just the Batman. He needs to be more. That's yeah. the, I mean, that's it. I have to become something else. And in the end, in the finale, you get this whole baptism and him becoming something else, and a lot of oh, so a lot of good. symbolism there towards so, the tons of symbolism and symmetry. And I want to see the film again. Um, it, it it just really, really. I mean, two hours and forty five minutes or so, forty four minutes, long running time. It but is. It just didn't feel long to me. I was engrossed from the opening credits, the opening scene, you know. I will say, I wish they wouldn't have showed some of the things in the trailer they showed. Sure. Because especially with the bat car being revealed. That was so cool. But I knew I knew because of the stupid trailer, right. it's going to burst through the flames, you know. But that's such an iconic moment when we get the full view of the bat car as it bursts through an explosion and lands and you're like, Man, that is a sweet car, you know. And just the way it starts up. That's oh. not in the trailer. but Oh, yes. <laughs> so you see throughout the film he's been working on a car with practically a gen engine in the back of it. Yes. In his bat cave. And then when it's finally unveiled and used, it's a great chase, all in the dark. Just an impressive technical feat for that chase. And, again, if it had not been in the trailer, I mean, these are the classic shots. And this is not an accident. The way they film Batman, I love just being a horror fan. They're trying to show us him through the criminal eyes. He walks like a killer. Take your Jason Voorhees, take your Michael Myers, the boots, the slow walk. It's all building up to the fear they have of this guy that he's inevitable, right? He's never going to stop coming. That's how our invincible killers in cinema walk. And he walks that way. That's such a great analysis, Adam. Absolutely. It it, it really, I, I think that, with this film, Matt Reeves has turned the Batman upside down and really given us something. And, and the word is we're going to get a whole trilogy, which is very exciting because there's some stuff at the end that alludes to maybe there's a Joker coming and maybe there's, there's more villains in Gotham that need to be faced. Right. And they're, they're doing more. So, I mean, they're investing in this as they should. It's making a killing at the box office right now. Well, but we're going to get a show on HBO Max. Colin Farrell signed a deal. There's going to be a Penguin show. And they've described that as a world-building element. They want to flesh out Gotham more, introduce us more characters. They're also going to do an Arkham Asylum show. And I think this is clever. But, you know, it's been said that's a creative way of dealing with villain backstories. You don't have to waste time in the films if you establish these villains already. Yeah. And you can have a more streamlined script and everything else in the films if we can introduce a few of them through Arkham Asylum. And maybe this is the way the DC Universe gets it right, finally. Instead of trying to copy Marvel, do, like you, like we said, a deep dive in one of your individual properties and build it out that way and flesh it out. I think that's and I think that's excellent. And Matt Reeves, as the director, he elevates everything he yes. touches. You know, he took those Planet of the Apes movies that didn't have no business being good and turned them into good films. Yes. He, yeah. I mean, he can really elevate the material he works with. He's always wanted to write Batman. He's done a Batman his way. This is our first Batman detective story. Batman in comics is always known as the world's greatest detective. We finally yeah. see that. 
you know this is the noir story that we wanted if yes and and if i could critique or criticize a little bit i wish they almost would have leaned into the sleuth side a little bit more than what they did Uh, maybe they'll do that in the second film because batman is known for his gadgets and his investigation tools and his scans he can do and how he can discover what's what from from just being a cut above everybody else with technology and stuff i'd like to see him maybe lean into that a little bit more in the films to come um but i'm very excited with where this franchise is going uh i love the idea of the backstory being fleshed out on in, in some of the video on demand stuff um and let's get to let's get to the kind of the last big thing here. Robert Pattinson as Batman. I was excited for this casting because if you followed his career post Twilight, yep, he's made some truly incredible films. Starting out with Good Times, um, he's picking these films that he really wants to act in. And, and to her credit, Kristen Stewart's doing the same thing. I can't think of a pair that has broken away from a mass media, mass market yep. property better than these two have because they both have real acting chops and they're they're proving it yeah so he he was an exciting choice for me because i knew this was going to be a brooding young batman and i i knew he could do it now i'm excited with what he did in the role he looks great in the suit he's got the jaw for it oh absolutely we don't get much of it but he's also given us a tormented bruce wayne yeah i don't know how many people when that that are friends of mine when they found out rolled their eyes oh my god and i said listen trust me on this the guy's got some acting chops. I've seen him in some other stuff. Good Times being one of those films where I was blown away. I mean, I recommend that movie all the time to people, and they're like, "Wow, that's incredible!" You know. Um, and he's done some other things. He's done some other things since then. And so I knew that he, I knew that it was. I I knew he was going to kill it. I mean, I just I just knew that he was going to kill it. And uh, whether whether he's in. You know the the tenant as a time cop, or he's in the lighthouse. You know he. I mean, the lighthouse is a twofer. You know, two hander. It's two actors the whole film. Right. And he's going against Willem Dafoe, uh, opposite Willem Dafoe, who is like a genius. You know, and it's like he held his own. I mean, he literally hung right there with him. And so after the lighthouse, I was really really excited to see what he could do as the Batman because I just think he's a great actor. Twilight series aside maybe (laughs) oh man well adam you know other thoughts final thoughts um what do we have what do you think we have to look forward to in the sequel they have not announced the sequel yet one has to be coming i mean they're they're not investing this heavily if they're not going to flesh out a trilogy matt reeves seems to be involved dc says they're now in the director business they want to hire visionary directors that really can make their own properties auteurs if you will and they're showing this. I mean, the way they work with James Gunn on Suicide Squad and whatever he wants to do, they're, they're going on a director-first mentality against maybe, against maybe the studio-first mentality for Marvel. Yeah. Where Marvel, the directors don't matter as much. There's still a template they're working within. DC's taking a different approach. It's working. With the Batman, the way everything is set up here, a lot of people, and I'm one of them, think that we're going to move into Court of Owls territory. Okay. Court of Owls involves the Arkham's. It involves a secret society that runs the city, um, and this would be a nice balance because they are—they are order. They are not chaos. And if they introduce a Joker, this is the Batman film we never got from Chris Nolan for that third one of Bane versus Joker, this right. order versus chaos. And then the other, I think, obvious thing they're doing is they're going to bring us Harvey Dent. They've cleared out the DA. 
we're gonna get a Harvey Dent that's the Bastion of Justice. He's gonna save the city, and he gets twisted into something else. And I'm curious to see what they do with Harvey Dent if they bring it in. I think they're clearing oh, the path. Wow, for that would be exciting. I'm very excited for the Batman franchise. I feel like I did after the first Chris Nolan film, right. where I was blown away and I knew there was gonna be at least two more films, and I thought, oh my goodness, this is great. This is what I've dreamed of, kind of deal. And I feel that way again with the Batman. Loved it. Highly recommend it. Uh, fantastic film. A lot of depth. A lot of symbolism. It, it almost has, and this is a completely different film, but it has that Matrix effect on me. When I first saw the Matrix, for days afterwards, I was thinking about the symbolism and, and some of the stuff in that film and what is reality and what's not. All those kind of things, you know. With the Batman, I'm doing the same thing. I'm thinking about, man, you know, he was like a Christ figure. He was baptized. He saved the city. I Led mean, them out know, of darkness. Out of, brought them out of darkness into light. And I was like, there's all this stuff going on with this film that I can't wait to watch it again. I can't wait to put it in my collection. And I can't wait to see what's next from Matt Reeves in this series. As far as rankings, because we mentioned that. Yeah. We've only seen it once. Um, it obviously had a big effect on both of us. I mean, I I can say without much hesitation, this is a top three Batman film. I'm not quite sure where it fits in, but comfortably on my own list, I would include it at the very top with Batman 89 and The Dark Knight. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to be right there with you. I love 89 Batman. That That's just a huge place in my heart there. Um, I love the first Batman that Nolan did, The Dark Knight, I thought was phenomenal. And this is, if those are... One, 1A, one this is a strong two, right? Just right behind those. Um, and it may grow on me as I watch it again, you know. Absolutely. Do you think, Adam, I know we're getting kind of lengthy in time here, but I just love talking about this film. Is there any chance we're going to get, is there any chance we're going to get any kind of a Gotham origin story? I would love to just learn about the history of Gotham. And it, it's such a rich place. With, with this idea that the Arkhams and the Waynes and, and all of these first families that landed here and settled this area and what they had to do to make it the city that it is. And I don't know. I just, I would love some more. They just whetted my appetite in the Batman mentioning it. I was so intrigued then. With, if they do, and there's no guarantee, if they do Court of Owls, we're going to get the history of the city. Because what has happened in this first movie is going to draw them out. They have to react now. They've been knocked off the rails. The Court of Owls are, like I said, secret family group. They all wear creepy masks. And the city has now spun out of their control. You know, if they control the police, the mayor, they yeah. controlled all these parts. You know, we, we've we seen the puppets. We haven't seen who's holding the strings. Wow. So it's only natural, again, if they do Court of Owls story, you're going to get a history of the city and these families. And there's more than just the two families. Oh, I'm sure, absolutely. But so. it's one of those things where Batman would feel like he's crazy, thinking there's a conspiracy and there's a secret high power group out there. But I, I think it's going to be introduced. I, I hope they use Riddler again, because even if he's locked up, he might have some insight for Batman if he's picked up on any of the Court of Owls activity. Maybe he becomes the Silence of the Lambs imprisoned uh, you know, partner to help fight crime. Wouldn't that be crazy? And that's oh. the thing, too, because Court oh. of Owls can't let Joker run around. Oh, that it's, again, be... order versus chaos, and oh. who's controlling the city. I want to see that so bad. That would be fantastic. Oh, so excited about that. So, anyway, 
We loved the Batman. If you don't know, if you haven't figured it out by now, we loved the film. It's not for everybody. If you're going in wanting a Marvel experience, this is the wrong film for you. One of the guys in our group that saw it got bored and was like, you know, I went left twice and came back and didn't feel like anything happened. Right. And 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 I get, and that's fine. It's not for everybody. But I, inside, I'm thinking, did you watch the same film I watched? You know. Yeah. I. It's. Yeah. People are gonna have a different reaction to it. Yeah. I was head over heels and in love with it when I walked out. It's a very good feeling. I haven't felt that way in a while for a comic book movie. The Marvel stuff's all fun. This feels more like a film film. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Marvel is all very entertaining fluff. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I love it too, but it is fluff. This is more substantive. This was a meal of a film. This was a a director given the keys to great material and allowed to create it the way he wanted to. And, I mean, kudos to them. They've pulled this off. They had to shut down production twice. Just a nightmare to shoot during a pandemic, and they pulled it off. Yeah, absolutely. And the score. Can we talk about the new Batman score? Let's do it. Come on. We will have to play some. The, the score is very good. It's unique. It's not taking much of a cue of anything from the past, and it feels so right for this film and this Batman. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was great. Um, I, I didn't notice it, but I felt it. The and theme the, gets stronger as it yes, goes throughout. Absolutely. It's very effective. And uh, when that happens, I use, that's usually a pretty good sign of a great score for me. So, Absolutely. All right, man. Well... We're, we, we're a long time into this podcast, a lot longer than I thought we would talk. But, you know, we don't get these films that come around very often, you know. No. So we have to appreciate them when we do get them. So love the Batman. Um, it's probably going to land easily in my top ten unless something crazy happens, which it could happen. But I just loved this film. And we just have to admit, right, we're riding on a superhero high right now because from Marvel we just got No Way Home, which is really good. Oh, absolutely. Now we get the Batman, and then heading into the summer, we get Doctor Strange 2 and Thor. But, I mean, we're getting all kinds of stuff. HBO's doing Peacemaker, and, I mean, we're getting some great, great content from both sides now. And we got to point this out. Moon Knight is coming on Disney Plus this week. Not this week, this month. Yes. It's Marvel Batman. It's a Marvel Batman. And, you know, I'm excited for it. Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead are doing it. Um, Oscar we'll Isaac. So we'll if you have we'll Disney see. Plus, you're going to have to check out Moon Knight. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my friend. That's going to wrap it up. So if, if people want to connect with us online, how's the best way to connect to the Film Coterie? All you have to do is search the Film Coterie. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the hashtag or at sign or the tag, if you will, at Film Coterie. And have your friends subscribe to our podcast. Give us a positive review. And you can find us on just about every podcast streaming service out there. We're there. Just type in Film Coterie and we'll pop up. All right, Adam. That's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, Man, probably Doctor Strange. What do we got? But we have something maybe before that. We'll see. I don't know. We got another... A few weeks, and then we'll have another film for you. So <laughs> we're just excited to get back. We yes. really want to do come this on. again. And come on, Hollywood Studios. We're I st- think the summer is <laughs> going to kick it up. Yes, yeah, start start releasing films for us. So anyway, all right, that's going to wrap it up for the film coterie. You guys have a great one. Thanks for listening to us, and we'll see you next time.